Well, Jennifer, we appreciate you driving down from, from Baytown to come on the podcast. Real quickly, introduce yourself. Um, there's a lot of media and news stories and um, uh, interviews that I've seen on local news stations. So what's your name and, and why are you knowing right now? Okay, my name's Jennifer Bridges. Um, I'm a registered nurse. Pretty much, I was with Houston Methodist Hospital System for eight years, and they were great. They were great to work for. Everything was fine until COVID hit and until they just got a little too arrogant and big for their britches, and they just wanted to push this this vac- this shot on us, basically, and they mandated it, and I just saw so many people in my organization, thousands that were terrified, just full of anxiety, didn't want it, and they gave us no options. So I basically just got pissed because I don't like bad guys and I don't like bullies. And I started speaking out and I just started doing so many things. And then what next thing you knew, it just blew up because we were the first ones in the nation to get the mandate. Right. Yeah, I've seen it on um, like Texas Monthly and the yeah. Texas Tribune. Some of the newspapers are making you seem like a like a like anti-government, anti-vax. Are are you against all vaccines? Or? No, okay. no. That and I've told them all that. And the ones that some of them like to twist their own agenda to make you kind of look bad when they're not the type of person that they that they agree with. But no, I'm not anti-vax. I've taken all my other vaccines in the past. The flu one I didn't want to take because it's kind of pointless. Like I take it and you still get the flu. But Methodist forced that one too. But that one I was okay with because it had a lot long-term research my kids have been vaccinated but this one came out and this was a whole different ballgame this was a different technology they that they ever used before in a quote-unquote vaccine and it is not safe it is not it was not done properly it was not researched properly they threw it out too quickly they didn't have nearly enough that they should have behind it before they just started administering it to everybody and it's it's very dangerous so we and we ourselves me and thousands of others i communicate with in the hospitals we've seen so many adverse reactions after getting it and so many other complications were like hold on stop like this is not right Right. So what's um there was uh two hundred people ish that were um fired or walked out of the Houston Methodist Hospital, right? About? Well, if you see if you ask Houston Methodist, they're gonna tell you they fired hundred and fifty three people, right? But that's not accurate. They're only looking at the hospital staff, right? And that's it. But they actually vendors, contractors, Houston Police Department, because they were running security, physicians. There are so many others across the whole board that lost their jobs due to this Methodist mandate. But they don't want to include those in their little numbers because then it looks worse. Mm. So there's literally hundreds and hundreds of people who got fired because even like say they worked for GE, right? But they come in to work on the equipment at the hospital they couldn't come in without getting the shot so their company fired them too so it went massive but they don't want to talk about that Um, but it was hundreds that lost their jobs lots of physicians to a lot of physicians and and some of it was just because they didn't want it a lot of them turned in religious or medical exemptions and tons of them got denied they flat out denied they even denied um a chaplain's religious exemption wow yes 
It was insane. So all these people lost their jobs, but I got about almost 200 roughly on board with our lawsuit. We've got the federal lawsuit, which is in the Court of Appeals right now in the Fifth Circuit. And then we started a state lawsuit also. So our goal is to get to the state and the federal Supreme Court to try to get some laws and rules in play and like hold them accountable for it and try to help other people because we'll set the president since ours was the first one in the nation. How how did you go about escalating it so quickly and so far? What did you do? This podcast episode is brought to you by BCN Supplements. Mike and I have teamed up with BCN and we're so excited about it. Now, if you're new to the fitness world or you're just starting to get in, BCN has legitimately everything you're looking for, whether you want healthier hair, skin, um, nails, if you want to get a good pre-workout drink, or if you want a vitamin, BCN has what you need. One of their products I love is their collagen mix. It's legitimately so easy to use. I know what you're thinking, why is a guy taking collagen? But it helps with everything, muscle recovery, muscle mass. It helps with your hair, skin elasticity, and you can take it with anything. You can put it in water. You can put it in pancake mix. I take protein pancake mix, so I like to use it in that. Or you can put it in coffee or if you're on the go. Um, just one scoop is all you need, and you're going to help your hair, your skin, muscle mass, muscle, your joints, everything. Head to bcnsubs.com to place your order today, and be sure to use CWJM to receive a whopping 10% off your next purchase. And be sure to check them out on Instagram at BCN Supplements. BCN Supplements, helping build a better you from the inside out. Well, uh, you want you want the whole well, story kind of quickly. The, well, well, the first lawsuit you filed was basically laughed at by the local courts, right? Well, okay. Basically, what happened? A lot of people don't know the actual details. So, our initial lawsuit was filed in state because we were trying to get an injunction to stop us from getting fired while we were fighting. But the evil Methodist lawyers pulled it out of state, removed it, stuck it straight into federal, and they did that on purpose because they have ties and connections with those federal judges. So it went straight to federal judge Hughes and he basically didn't even look at us, like look at our case. He would not allow my lawyer to speak, give any evidence, any documentation, nothing. He just dismissed our case. And this is all on record when the lawyers were standing in front of the judge. So he didn't allow my lawyer to barely say anything on our case. And then he even went so far as to admit that some of his judge friends are on the board of Methodist or some of these other hospitals around here. So right off the bat, that's a conflict of interest. He should not have been allowed to even have our case. So he dismissed it. But a lot of the media out there that like to distort things and even Methodists right off the bat, they're like, oh, they lost their case. It's done. Don't worry about it. But that's complete BS because we filed an appeal. So we went straight up to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and then Basically, whoever wins that, the other side's probably not going to be okay with it. So then there'll be another appeal, which we should then reach the Supreme Court. Mm. Wow. And how long do you expect this to take? Uh, that's a good question. Hopefully not too long, but like our... F like we just had to turn into our, our brief, right, to the Court of Appeals this month. Then the other side, the evil side, gets like, I think it's 60 days to file theirs. And then after that, we should hear um, when when it's going to be presented in front in New Orleans, where the lawyers are supposed to meet in front of a few of the judges in New Orleans. And they'll decide, do they just rule on it themselves or are they going to have a hearing? 
Mm-hmm. So what? we should know that in the next couple of months. And why why New Orleans? Well, because that's, from my understanding, that's where the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is for federal. So that's where they're calling the lawyers to meet up is in New Orleans. But we don't have the date yet. Um, But when we do, it's only supposed to be the lawyers, right? Unless they decide on a hearing. But I'm going to be there and I'm going to tell everybody about it. (laughs) And So still, how did you escalate it? Like yourself, like you got the, you banded, all these people came together because they, they did, they disagreed. Well, but I I wouldn't know how to go about doing this. Well, let me tell you, I didn't either. Right. (laughs) So everything I've done, I've just kind of like, what's the word? I've just kind of, um, I can't think of the word. Just learn as you go. kind of. I, I just kind of like go with it. I just go. I don't, my, my key that I tell everybody, I don't think, I don't think I just react and I just go. And I really like, I'm religious, but I was never like super, super religious. But I, I really think God has just opened up doors for me because everything I do, like something opens, I meet this person, which leads to this. And it has just pushed me in this path that I'm like, wow, like I didn't know how to do anything. Right. I just wing the whole thing. So, okay, long story short, very long story short, they came out with with the um, shot probably like December of 2019, right? And they started offering it to employees, maybe only 30% at the most took it like by their sheer choice. Then they had the hope bonus where it was $500 mm-hmm. if you take the shot. So a bunch of people got on board because they knew they would mandate it, but they at least wanted to get some money out of it. So a lot of people jumped on board because they were getting paid. They were getting bribed, right? But then what's funny is after taxes, they were telling me it ended up coming to like 300 and something dollars. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. So that bonus ended like March or April, if I remember right, of 2020. Or no, no, of this year, 2021. Okay, sorry, I'm getting my years. You're fine. Yeah, so that ended spring of this year. So then we knew the mandate was coming, right? But we figured it would wait till it was FDA approved or something. We didn't know it would come that quickly. So all me and a bunch of friends, everybody's talking, we're upset, anxiety. I mean, some nurses literally had to get on anxiety medicine because they just couldn't handle it. They didn't want it. And we were seeing reactions in the hospital. We knew this wasn't thoroughly tested. They had no idea short-term, let alone long-term effects, right? Right. So anybody who, you don't even have to be in the medical, just common sense. You can't create and and send something out that quickly because you don't have the knowledge behind it. You don't have the proper research so we were all talking everybody wanted to get proactive and do something but everybody was really scared and they kind of knew I was always more of like the the loud mouth not loud mouth but like like I'm a big patient advocate so a lot of times hospitals and doctors will tell you to do things and you know they're not right and a lot of people just kind of do what they're told to do but there's some like us that are like no wait like no like that's not right we need to do this this and this and that's what being a patient advocate is and i never really cared like who you were i would tell you like this is right this is wrong so all my friends kind of started pushing me <laughs> and i was like all right so when one night at home i just got on my computer i googled how do you make a petition so i made this little like petition basically asking people do you think you should be terminated you know if you don't agree with taking the shot like it should be a free choice so i threw on my scrubs on a sunday in april i snuck into methodist and pretended to be working right so i ran around and i worked at the baytown methodist so i ran around all these units in the whole hospital for a couple of hours <laughs> to, yeah to my surprise 
this isn't on the news, so you don't know this. So to my surprise, all these units just welcomed me with open arms. I had like a hundred, couple hundred signatures in just a couple hours. But what blew my mind was how scared everybody was. When I would approach them in the unit and start talking to them about it, they would look around, they'd grab me, throw me in like a supply closet or somewhere where there was no cameras. And then one at a time, they would all sneak in and sign it. Yes. They what? they literally didn't want to be seen with me signing this because they were terrified. What, were you already out at this point? Like no, no, no. Doing, this was just very beginning. This is the very first thing I did. Okay. So so why was everyone so scared? Because at this point there wasn't it wasn't as uh, politicized at this point. Why was everyone scared? Well, the mandate hadn't happened yet, right? right. But. But the thing is, with these big companies and that, everybody's scared to go against them because there are a lot of instances in the past where if you speak, if you spoke up about something or you pushed buttons that they didn't like, people have gotten fired. They peep doctors have almost lost their licenses. There's been a lot of things that have happened over the past several years and people are scared to go against these big, these big billion dollar companies, right? And they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to be seen as that person doing that and everybody was just scared so so you know I'm getting thrown around in all these closets and they're like oh my buddy on this unit wants to sign it they'd send me to that one throw me in another closet yeah. imagine this rough hat like get in here yeah. <laughs> movie stuff well no it was nothing rough they were super cool a few people were like no or they'd be like well I took the shot a lot of people signed it who took the shot but they didn't agree with being forced into it so long story short I leave I got hundreds of signatures I'm like wow we got a lot of people who agree with us that's what I was trying to see well somebody snitched on me so the next morning I get a call from my CEO at Methodist uh David the Bern- CEO yeah. well not the okay so the whole Methodist CEO is Mark Boom but there's like eight hospitals I think now so each individual hospital has their own CEO okay. that runs the hospital and then you got Mark Boom over the whole enchilada So David Bernard, the CEO of Baytown Methodist, his secretary called me and said that him and the CNO of Baytown wanted to have a meeting with me the very next day at two o'clock in the afternoon. So your name had already, so that had gotten out within 24 hours and and already made its way all the way to the top. Yes, because somebody snitched on me and called them and said that I was running around asking people about this, which went against their agenda, right? So Was was it someone that didn't sign? I have no idea who it was. Oh, man. I have no idea. She called him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I wish I knew who it was, but it was somebody that didn't agree with me and felt everybody, and they didn't like what I was doing, so they snitched on me. Mm. So then I get this call, and I'm kind of like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, my heart's kind of pounding. I'm like, you know, and at that time, I didn't think you could legally record conversations, so I didn't want to risk getting sued. But then I found out later from my lawyer, you can legally record the conversation as long as only one party knows, which would have been me. So Hmm. I could have recorded it. I just didn't know. Hmm. But what I did do was I brought another nurse with me as a witness. Oh, that's smart. Yes. So that way it wasn't just my word against theirs. So I show up the next day and what I thought was really weird was they scheduled the meeting on a day I was working. So the director actually, I mean, this was big really quickly. The director actually got another nurse to cover my patients so I could go to this meeting. So right off the bat, I was like, you know, red flag fired. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't know, but I was like, whatever, let's go, you know. 
So I show up with my friend who's a nurse, and we both have very good credibility. Like, we're both nothing bad against us, lots of awards, like, very well known as good, like, patient nurses. So we show up to this meeting in the big consecutive, like, boardroom that I would never go in for my whole life, right? So they, I get in there. Long story short, um, big board meeting. They sit me down here. They sit the CEO across from me, the CNO next to him, and the head of HR next to me. So they kind of surround me like a bullying tactic, and they have my friends sit at the end of the table. Mm. So hour and a half long, you know, they approach, they tell me their side, I tell them my side, we go back and forth, and then it gets really ugly. Uh Yes, like we literally for an hour and a half pretty much just started arguing and almost fighting. Um, I went from being nervous to being pissed Mm. because the CNO, Becky Chalupa, she kind of slides this highlighted paper to me saying that um, I went against their policy for... um, for soliciting and that I could be terminated. And I was like, well, how am I soliciting? I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just asking people's opinion and they sign their name. That's not what soliciting means. Mm. So right off the bat, I knew what they were trying to do. So I was like, oh, hell no. Like, and then she even went so far as to say that somebody had told them that I was bullying them into signing the petition, which was absolutely a lie because anyone who knows me knows I would never bully anyone. So right off the bat, I got pissed because she kind of leaned forward in this like really like confrontational way to say I was bullying people. So I got mad and I leaned forward and I said, you were lying to my face. Like, I don't appreciate that. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. You don't lie to me. I never did that. And I even told her, I was like, I'll pay for a damn lie detector test right now. And I'll get a thousand witnesses behind me that says, no, I didn't bully anybody. So you need to stop. Right. And then. I even tried to plead with them. I said, just negotiate with us. You know, I worked the COVID unit for the whole past year on and off. Like I caught COVID from a patient. I'm like, we managed through it without a shot. I said, just if we don't want it, just let us wear N95 and no big deal. That's what we've been doing anyways. They every every it everything I brought up that was a fact or anything to negotiate. They wouldn't even talk about. They just ignored and kept saying their little agenda script. And then the head of HR sided with them, so she was no help at all. And then David Bernard, the CEO, I'll never forget these couple of things. So he looked at me, and he said 100% vaccination is more important than y'all's individual autonomy. Mm. Which, if you say that to a nurse, that's like a slap in the face. Because we, we, we practice off on autonomy, right? right? To be able to critically think and make our own decisions. So that was, and they, Methodist goes by their little I care values. So clearly, only when it suits them. And I told them that. I said, where are your I care values? Why do you not care about all these employees? Because at that time during that meeting, there was over four or 5,000 of us that still did not want to take this shot. So I was speaking on behalf of all of them because they were all scared. And then he even looked at me and he said, all of y'all are replaceable. If you don't like what we're doing. He really said that. I swear on the Holy Bible on my this life. Is the, the, this the is the CEO, CEO of Baytown Hospital. David Bernard of Baytown Methodist. He said, wow. all, that's why I wish I could have recorded this. But I will do a lie detector. You can hypnotize me, whatever you need to do. I wonder if like all CEOs kind of feel that way about all their employees. I, I wonder if you get so big, you just kind of think like, you're just a number at this point. That's what I'm starting yeah. to think. So I want to backtrack a little bit, Jennifer, because mm-hmm. a lot of the media 
they're giving you a platform to talk, but I think they're they're kind of condemning your character. You're a legitimate nurse. Yeah. And you, how long have you been a nurse, or how long were you a nurse at in general? About, well, about eight years. Eight years. So uh, Methodist was your first uh, job. Well, I did some um, home health care first, and then I went to Methodist. So I spent the majority of my career at Methodist, and now I'm doing private nursing. Okay. So you, you have a passion for, for helping people. Yes, that's and, what and, I do. And you believe in science and you believe in medical outcomes and technology and innovation and all yes, that stuff. Yes. Because some of this media stuff that we're looking at and some of the stuff we're reading, they're they're making you seem like an Alex Jones character. Like you're just this crazy person that's going on this tyrant outrage that you just don't want to help people and you're just you're you're uh you're 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 spreading false narratives and all this stuff. So I wanna give you a chance to you know to say you're not that person oh right? absolutely not and any any good media out there like y'all like i've been i've been on infowars highwire hannity with fox um so many others that won't portray me that way it's it's all the evil news media that like to pass their agenda along that like people like me who are speaking the truth and we have the proof to back it up they want us to look bad because they don't want anybody to listen to us right yeah so what what do you think the agenda is behind mandating the vaccine what do you what's your thoughts on that like why is it so important that everyone get vaccinated that i hope i find out the true answer but i really think a lot of it is is money it is it is a billion dollar industry right now money and power because right now all oh my gosh pfizer all these hospitals the cdc fda all of them are entwined and they are making so much money and we have the bank statements pretty much because somebody got them to me from methodist before covid started methodist was in like a million dollar deficit during covid all these hospitals from the government right they get paid astronomicals like if you test positive they get so many thousand if you end up intubated you they get another like 30,000 if you die covid death they get thousands more so that whole time they made millions and then they partner up with the vaccine companies and then they pay them astronomicals amounts of money to to push this out and to be able to and then now the government's involved Freaking branded administration, and <laughs> I was I was gonna wear my Let's Go Brandon shirt, but I didn't know. I like, saw one of those this weekend. I was I almost bought it, but it was like forty bucks. So. Oh, I'll, I'll spend a thousand. I don't care. But I, oh my gosh, I have a really cute one. But um, but no, they're even getting so far. As now they're working with CMS, the Centers for Medicare, now they've pushed it so hard where if hospitals and that don't mandate it, they're going to pull your Medicare and Medicaid funding, mm. which it's it's getting bad. So it's all control, money, and power. And we've already proven a million times over this this shot doesn't work. It doesn't stop you from catching COVID. It doesn't stop you from spreading it. You still can get hospitalized. You can still die from it. It's not doing anything. It's not even a vaccine. If it if it was a vaccine, you wouldn't need a booster every couple of months. Mm-hmm. It, like, it does provide for the older folks, though. It does provide some sort of. I'm being you know the, yeah. the devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah. It does provide some sort of help for older people, though, doesn't it? Some sort of defense because it helps fight off 
it, the severe reaction of COVID, right? Or and, am I completely wrong? Not I'm an idiot, so well, no, help no, no. me. <laughs> well, no, the, the thing is, there's so we have so much good research out on our side now. We can actually prove to you, and I work with a lot of big doctors now that are like national and stuff, so I have a lot of good people who have a lot of good credentials that are on my side, right? So it's not just me blabbering. Like I have doctors, scientists, all kinds of people that I work with now. So it, in some cases, it can cut back the severity, but there is a lot of people who are taking the shot that are still getting severe symptoms. They're still getting intubated. They're still dying. So just because you take it does not mean, oh, I catch COVID and now I'm just fine. That's not necessarily true. Now, the older people are at higher risk of, you know, of COVID treating their system very badly. So for them taking it, it does give them at least some kind of help, possibly, but everybody under the age of like 60, I mean, you literally have a 99.99 something percent chance of survival if you catch COVID. So last thing, last time I was in like elementary school, 99.99 was rounded up to like 100, right? <laughs> so basically, if you are relatively healthy under the age of 60 and you catch COVID, you will most likely be fine. So to risk taking something that we don't know enough about that is causing so many horrible reactions, even death with people, the risk versus the benefit just doesn't equal out. Were you involved in like um, classification of of death too? Um, Were you in a unit that if someone passed away from COVID, um, you're involved in like reason of death? Like, oh, no, no, no. The nurses at the hospitals aren't really involved of like reason of death. Like the doctors pronounce the death and then put do like the death certificate. Yeah. But um, I've seen it firsthand because I, you know, I was right there. So, I mean, I've bagged up bodies. You know, I've seen a lot of people die. Um, I'm not saying that you can't die. But there's a lot of deaths out there that they call COVID deaths that were not from COVID. They would die from other means. But just since they tested positive, they said it was a COVID death. And they even came out later on and realized that and had to kind of redo numbers across the board because they were claiming too many COVID deaths. Because if you claim a COVID death in a hospital, you make astronomical amounts of money, right? But the thing that bothers me and everybody else more than anything is they do have early treatment out there that works. There are so many doctors and stuff out there that with their own clinical practice, because the hospitals won't let you do it. But if you come to them early on and like, hey, I think I have COVID. Okay, here, let's let's treat you with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, a whole bunch of things, right? Nine times out of 10, within two to three days, it's gone and you feel better. And these doctors are screaming from the rooftops and showing you the documentation that they treated thousands of patients like this. They recovered. They didn't get hospitalized. They didn't die. So it it works, but they won't accept it. And they're trying to say we're all crazy for pushing ivermectin and all that because it's very cheap. It's been FDA approved for other things for like so many years. It's such a cheap drug. But instead, it what they want to use is remdesivir and this shot and all these other things. Remdesivir is thousands of dollars. If you have an early treatment that's only like 10 bucks, right? then you don't need to make all this money off of all this other stuff if this is working. And then there's also laws in play that if you can prove there's early treatment for something, then you are not legally allowed to mandate a vaccine. Mm. So if they admit ivermectin and all this stuff works, 
then they can't mandate a vaccine because there's early treatment available. And we have the proof. We have all the proof to show it works. And that, and that it basically, if you get on that regimen early on, like nine times out of 10, you'll be fine. In, you know, in the hospital when you were there, did it, was, was it like a running joke as to like the classification of deaths and like, and uh, the use of certain medications that did everybody just kind of see what was going on? Well, with with my situation, not at first, um, because at first nobody really knew what was going on, right? And then I got fired back in June. So people, it was more like May throughout now where people are really starting to notice what's going on, right? Because in the, in the first parts of it, people didn't really understand, didn't really know yet. But I was starting to see... I would see people that were getting intubated way too early on that wouldn't normally get intubated, right? And then you're, what, what I thought was always funny was I noticed the first month or two at Methodist, they were using hydroxychloroquine in the hospital to treat COVID patients. Then after about a month or two, they pulled it, quit using it, switched to other drugs that were super expensive. So they legitimately were, because there, there was a doctor out of Houston. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the lady, but... Bowden? Yeah, she's an African American lady. Oh no, um, she she went to like the um uh, she was on Fox News and all this crazy stuff. Okay, um, for talking about ivermectin or not ivermectin, but hydroxychloroquine. Are you talking about Stella Emanuel? I think so. She's a pastor and a physician. I think so. She has an accent, right? Yes, African American. Yeah. Yes. So that's like when when Trump was still in office and yeah. and he was touting hydroxychloroquine so i didn't know that hospitals were actually using it though yes i saw it i witnessed it it was in our orders i was administering it but it was only the first month or so of the whole COVID outbreak and then they pulled it back and it was working Mm. it seemed to be fine it was part of the protocol and then they pulled it off real quick and we would ask doctors like well why did we quit using that None of the doctors could answer our questions. They were just like, I don't know. The hospital protocol changed. Switch to remdesivir, switch to other drugs that were so expensive. They would literally send them to us in bags. We were not allowed to open the bags at first until the patient signed a form saying they were willing to take it because they didn't want us to waste it because it was so expensive. Wow. Do you know for sure that there was an, an incentive for like uh – intubating people oh absolutely how how do you how how do you know absolutely because not only through methodist because there's people that work there that might kind of send me things that i probably shouldn't have Uh oh (laughs) whoopsie daisy it's like the the people sign in the closet i mean it's like people just don't want to get caught you know they believe in it a little bit you know yes and the government that there's so many um factual documentation you can get your hands on all the hospitals were getting paid lots of money for positive tests for intubation for covid deaths like at the beginning before before covid right united healthcare insurance had pulled out of methodist which was big and then when covid first hit people don't realize this but we we didn't have a flood of patients the first few months they were actually telling patients don't come in unless it's like detrimental because we don't want everybody kind of like hoarding all together and like risking like transmission in that so basically there wasn't a whole bunch of patients at first like people thought the first few months and then they stopped doing all the elective surgeries they stopped doing all the things that weren't important 
So the first few months, we only had half the patients in the hospital that we normally have. So we were getting put on call. We were getting sent home. They didn't even need the nurses the first few months. So due to the the very lack of patients, right, for all those reasons, and then United Healthcare pulling out, Methodist was in this huge deficit at first. Now they have so much money. They're building a brand new hospital in Cyprus. And not only that, but they're throwing money like crazy. Like people that I still work with there are telling me they're getting these big gift cards for Thanksgiving. All the employees, like it's like 26,000. They're getting a thousand to $5,000 bonuses. They're throwing money out like crazy now because they don't want to lose any more people. Do you have examples of where people passed away that um, maybe passed away from other uh, uh-huh. reasons, but they classified it as, as, as oh, COVID. Do you absolutely. have specific examples? Can you share some? Oh, I have a no great, names, yeah, but <laughs> no names, but well, uh. yeah, no names, HIPAA violation. Right. But, um, Oh, and one thing before I forget, I want to throw this out there in case y'all haven't heard this because everybody goes off of the PCR test and it's all, you know, I hope y'all have heard that the creator of the PCR test, the one who actually invented it is on record saying that it does not accurately detect viruses. Well, I've, we've heard that, um, or is, I've heard that like on the Rogan podcast. Yes, it is a fact. He is, it's hard to find it now because they censor everything so much, but he is actually on record. He is the creator of it. It does not accurately detect viruses. I, I also heard that it, it, it may de- detect COVID, but it's really someone has the flu. It could be too, uh, because the thing is there were so many patients where they thought they had COVID, even if they didn't have symptoms, we'd swab them negative, swab them again. Negative. They would sometimes make a swab three or four times until we got a positive. But the thing that people don't understand with these COVID swabs, when you send it to the lab, they have to run it through a machine, right? If it's it's meant to run it at a certain certain part, right, for it to actually work. But if you run it high enough, you can you can you can pull out viruses, and it's not necessarily positive, but you can kind of make it positive if you run it at a certain. I forget what the name of it is, but if you run it at a certain like caliber, you can actually pull these viruses out mm. and make it look positive, even if it's not. Somebody could have the flu or the common cold, but if they run the machine at a certain, I can't think of what the word like is. Like a revolution? Or- like a revolution? Yeah. Because yeah, they spin it really fast, right? Yes, yes. But it's supposed to be run at a certain thing, but if you run it high enough, you can pull it out and make it look like it's positive when it's really not. What about these at-home tests? Are they any good? Like the Abbott's and all, uh, all and those other ones? All these fast-acting ones, like it's 15 minutes read, you just stick yeah. it up your nose. Those that's not accurate at all damn it jennifer i have a lot of hope in those <laughs> These te- uh, well i heard this technology has been out for a while i mean what was do you know what it was being used before to, to oh, the swabs? detect yeah the swabs well, we would use the swabs to detect for flu um what else were we doing it was flu the in the nose it was mainly flu or what's called an rpp uh rapid respiratory panel to check for because there's so many other viruses out there but never did you have to shove it up to their brain. It was usually just go in there a little bit, but then COVID showed up and they wanted you to literally like almost jab it up to your brain. Yeah. And that didn't make any sense either because if it's a respiratory virus, why can't you just go right here? Why do you like it just, but they're not accurate tests. The PCR tests are not accurate. 
Wow. And that's it, crazy because that's what everyone's using. Exactly. Because because they can influence it. And you can have so many false positives. And then if you run it in the machine properly, you can. Okay, this is Uh-oh. a good one. I actually have friends and people I personally know that during all this would go to clinics to get their COVID test. A big, long line. Okay, I'm sick of waiting, blah, blah, blah. Go home. Never even took the damn test. Then they get an email stating your test came back positive. No way. Swear on my life. I know about 20 people personally, and I've heard of so many others, but that got that, and they're like, how am I positive? I never took the test. I left before my name was called. No way. So they signed in to the, the, the desk, to the front the, desk, yes. whatever, and they just left. Yes, and they left because there was such a big wait during the whole big scare. Left, never even took the damn test, and got positive results back in like an email. Holy cow. Yes. And then the, yeah, oh, I could go on forever. And the thing is like, you hear all these people, people contact me from across the world now and share their stories. And I believe all the stories, but if I personally know you and I know it happened to you, that you can't discredit, you know? But when you ask me about the COVID death, I know so many out there that were labeled COVID deaths that weren't, but the one, the one that gets me the most is my own, my own grandfather. So he he was up and I'm from Ohio. So he was up in Ohio. My wife's from Ohio. Really? What, what part of Ohio? Cleveland. Really? She's from Akron. Okay, that was 45 minutes from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Akron, Small Canton. World. Yeah, yep. that's like the football hall of fame in that. Um, so yeah, I was 20 years up there and 20 years down here. So I just turned 40 like a week ago. Well, happy birthday! Happy Thank belated you. birthday! Yeah. Thank you. Um, what was I going? Oh, so it was last December. Wait. I'm getting my, yes, it was last December. So my grandfather, 97-year-old, World War, World War II vet, amazing man. Like everything you would want out of a grandfather, a man, like everything just perfect, right? He was still in great shape at 97, in an assisted living home, used a walker but got around good, me- mental status was very well. He basically, they sent him to the hospital for symptoms of a UTI, Right. Long story short, they swab him, claim he has COVID. So they stick a 97-year-old man in isolation, um, and then he had a UTI because I was able to get on his charting, you know, online and see all his results. So I saw his lab work. I saw his chest x-ray. I saw everything. Claimed he had COVID, so they stick him isolated in the COVID ward, no family, no nothing, and I'm and when older people have UTIs, they get very confused. That's one of the main symptoms. It makes them very, very confused, sometimes agitated. Mm. Yes, it happens when you're older, when you have a UTI. So I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm seeing they're labeling them as COVID. Now family can't come in. There's no patient advocate. Well, and I'm looking at the stuff, and I talked to the NP who was on board. He didn't even have an IV, wasn't getting IV antibiotics, wasn't getting fluids, wasn't getting anything this man should have had. And I'm like, well, why aren't you doing all this? And well, he's so agitated. So they put him in restraints. They've got this 97-year-old man confused with a UTI in wrist restraints. And I'm looking at his labs all the days he's in there because I'm down here, right? And I'm thinking it's a UTI. He'll be fine. You know, no, like it's not detrimental. Labs are good. Chest x-ray is good. Everything that would show really bad COVID, everything's good. All this stuff's good. And I'm telling the NPM, like, why are you even worried about COVID? I said, treat his UTI. Treat all this other stuff. And then finally, after I talked to him, next thing you know, okay, he's got an IV, he's got fluids. They start him on antibiotics. 
Well, he was so confused and agitated. Then they restrained him, wouldn't let family in. He's getting all upset. Guess what? I get a phone call that he passes away from a heart attack. Wow. Yes. He, they admitted to the family that they finally let come in that he had a, a heart attack. There wasn't any, um, what is that uh, heart issue where it flares up, the muscle flares up? The Oh, uh, myocarditis? There wasn't any of that? It was well, just straight up? Not that I'm aware of, Okay, but basically what had happened was what I think happened because his labs were good, chest x-ray was good, everything was good, so COVID did not kill him. Okay. Like there was no way it could have because it, it, it was like fine. There, there was it was fine. All the things that you would see for a bad case of COVID, none of that. Well, was he's ninety seven years old yes. though, too. I mean, that's yes, he's ninety seven. But, um, but basically, so I'm looking at all this. I'm like, okay, COVID's fine. But they stressed him out so bad, and he was confused. They got him in restraints. He's pulling at the restraints. He's upset. Next thing you know, he has a heart attack, and then he passes away. Oh. They, when you stress out someone at that age. And you stress them out that bad, it could it could totally give them a heart attack, one hundred percent. Even us, if they stressed us out enough, you know, and you're restrained to the bed, you're not getting nutrition, you're not getting fluids, you're not getting any of the stuff that you're supposed to have. They basically killed him because he got a heart attack and he shouldn't have had one. So then they label him as COVID death. So I'm freaking out. I go up there for the funeral. I'm not allowed to see him. Any normal situation, hey, I just want to see him in the ca- in the casket. You know, I want to say goodbye, pay my last respects. We can't open the casket, ma'am. Why? Because he he died of COVID. I said, no, he didn't. I said, I saw all his stuff. I said, that might have even been a false positive. I said, COVID did not kill him. That's not what happened. Since he was labeled on his death certificate as COVID death, they would not open the casket. Did they test for COVID? The, in in mean, the hospital, yeah. The, they tested him once. And what what's ridiculous about the whole thing is he had no symptoms of COVID. Like, at that time, it was fine. All he had were the symptoms of a UTI. So they didn't even need to test him, but they did it to everybody anyways. Mm-hmm. They came back positive. Then, oh, it's positive. So we throw you in the COVID unit, isolate, isolate you. And then basically you have no family can come in and you're just stuck there by yourself with nobody to like look out after you. If you're confused, there's nobody there to advocate for you and make sure everything's done right. And and a UTI with the old person can be very deadly too. It can. Itself, right? Yeah. Yeah, it can. Because like me or you get when it's like no big deal, right? You take right. some, drink a lot of water, take an antibiotic, you're fine. But older people, it's it affects them very badly and they get super confused. They can get a massive infection. It could kill them if not treated. But, um, but he did not die of COVID. 100% I'd bet my life on it because I saw everything. So they went open the casket and I argued with them. And I even, without even a medical background, I just logically, I'm like, look, you're worried about COVID, but that's a respiratory virus. He's dead. He's not breathing. He's not coughing. He's not sneezing. Do you really think this stuff just like seeps out of your skin? <laughs> like, is he just laying there dead, not even breathing? And it's just like seeping out of your skin. I said, he can't. I said, he's the safest person in this room right now. He can't give anybody anything. You can't, you know what I mean? You have right. to cough or sneeze on someone. It, you don't just lay there and it just magically like comes out of your body. Right. I feel like you, um, of, of everybody would know best because you, you mentioned you worked in the trenches. Yeah. The first part of, of COVID. So yes. 
in the very beginning, did y'all even like wear masks or anything like that? Or well, it was it was funny because the protocols changed all the time because they didn't know what they were doing. So at first, at very first, like some of us were some, not me, but some people were wearing masks. They actually told us at first not to even wear masks. They said don't even wear masks. You know, blah blah blah. Then it turned into okay, everybody wear surgical masks. Then it turned in, okay, now everybody's going to wear N95s. You know, you suit up, you do the whole thing. Sorry, my phone's oh, going like crazy. I imagine you're, you're a busy um, person. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so then it turned into the whole, you know, N95, face shield, gown, gloves, all that stuff. But N95s, ever since the beginning of medical, right, ever since they started using them, N95s are like a one-time use. You wear them for like that day, that patient, whatever, and then you dispose of them. You were never supposed to keep N95s and keep using them. That's, never, <laughs> That's what we're all doing. Everyone's yeah. wearing the the fishing gator mask. Yeah. And oh, you I, think, I mean, you could see right through them. It, but I thought yeah. N95, I didn't know N95s were one-time use. You were never, okay, anytime before COVID, you would wear N95 in like a, an airborne isolation room, like if they had tuberculosis or something. Mm. You wouldn't wear your N95 in there and keep it for the rest of the week. You would wear it for that day and then pitch it at the end of it because you go in it's contaminated the filter only lasts so long it's not it wasn't designed to keep using over and over and over again so the whole all the years in the hospital you would pitch it at the end of your shift right and you would use it for that one room and you wouldn't take it out of the room because obviously the outside is contaminated right well then it turned into first it was okay then then it turns into you wear your n95 one shift then it's like well, wait, now we're going to reuse it for about three days. So at the end of your shift, you would put it in the sealed bag with your name on it. They would send it for some kind of crazy ultraviolet thing that they said would basically decontaminate it. And then they would send it back to you to your unit. But they would tell you, make sure you open the bag, let it breathe before you put it on the fa- on your face because all the chemicals. What the hell? Exactly. So then that was for three days. Then they come back and they're like, well, wait, you know, now three days. Now, now we can change it to like 10 days. So it went from one day to, okay, no, now, now three days is okay. Now wait, you know, maybe seven. Okay, now it's 10. So they were reusing it and we're all like, what the hell? Like, that's not... The N95 is probably the best mask though, because you really legitimately can't breathe in those. Like, no, you you can't you can't breathe in them very well at all. Uh, but <laughs> but the surgical masks are a complete joke, though, that's right? A, anything surgical mask, cloth, any of that stuff, the virus is so tiny it'll go right through it. I was wearing a surgical mask when I caught COVID from my patient. Mm. like no like you don't wear those a a lot of people even tell you like like if somebody's right by you and sneezes or coughs the n95 might not even protect you but that's definitely the best one out of all the other ones yeah but like a full you'll see i'm sure you've seen pictures like the full the full respirator and that that's like the best one to use on on a virus that is such it's so tiny it's such tiny particles that it'll go through like the surgical mask the cloth it'll just go right through what about the face mask a lot of people wearing face masks i know our company where we mm. work out they provided oh, the like shield? the shields yeah yeah well but the, that can go under right or to the side i mean well technically because besides breathing it in your eyes too right so if someone coughs or sneeze particle goes in your eyes mm. it goes right into your body 
So the face shield covers your eyes, your nose, and your mouth. So if you're wearing like a full face shield, you're probably not going to catch nothing because it's going to hit that. Yeah. I mean, yes, like, I mean, technically, if I sneezed right next to you and it blew out into the air, there's a chance it could. Waft and it. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's. It's such a small chance, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then people think this thing is just living in the air. Like, our atmosphere, our air is so big. I see people walking alone wearing masks outdoors by themselves. There's no reason to ever wear anything outside. <laughs> you cough or sneeze outside, whoof, it's just vanished, gone. You are not just going to walk down the sidewalk and breathe in COVID. It doesn't just linger there waiting for you to walk by and breathe it in. Did. Did y'all ha- didn't y'all have to wear Tyvek suits for a little while, like like a full? We didn't. We didn't. Some hospitals, everybody had their own protocols, and some were super extra. Some places made them wear these big Tyvek suits and this crazy stuff. We never did that. Mm. And did you? Were you seeing like when you were working in the trenches? Did you see deaths every day? Was it? Well, like the, I worked in a medical surgical unit, so most of our patients would go home, but we would have some that would die too. If you worked in the ICU or somewhere, you would see a lot more deaths because those are the more critical patients. Okay. But remember, a key point to all this, if these hospitals weren't so evil and would actually treat with early treatment, these people didn't have to die. These people didn't have to get so severe. They didn't have to die for a long time, if, if people came in thinking they had COVID, they wouldn't even treat them. They'd say, oh, go home, you'll be fine. Like, they, they were basically at first telling people, okay, wait till, like, you can't breathe and your oxygenation's so low, then come in. And by the time you're already that sick, it's so much harder to treat it because you're already, like, way down here. So to get back up here is so much harder. You want early treatment to like to nip it in the bud right away and these and like i said i can give you a list of doctors you can talk to that have their own clinics that practice the right way their patients are fine they don't get hospitalized and they don't die but the hospitals follow the cdc and fda protocols and they won't administer ivermectin they won't do hydroxychloroquine anymore and ivermectin we even have the studies that show it works not just like oh we used it and it works like we there are legit studies that show it worked And there are several cases going on right now, and this is sick. So someone's loved one is in the hospital battling COVID, and the loved one's like, look, I want them to get ivermectin. You know, we know it works. We've seen it work out here. It's at least a shot. Let's do it. Hospital says, no, that's not part of our protocol. We won't give it. So, so many family members out there got lawyers, went to the courts because they wanted them to give them ivermectin. Court grants them it gives them a court order says here's a court order go give it to the hospital now they have to administer ivermectin hospital says no we're still not doing it files an appeal fights back and then guess what that person either dies or they're still there at this current moment fighting because they refuse to honor the court order yes there's even one going on over by the fort worth area because i'm on i was kind of on board helping out there's all these nurse advocacy companies now coming out that you can call the nurse advocacy company. They'll put you in contact with the nurse and we'll help you do all the things the medical field should be doing, but they're not, right? Because they've turned into business. They've turned into, remember, we're all replaceable. So they've turned into worrying about money and business and power. So you call these nurse advocacy companies and they will give you all the resources, tell you what you need to do, all the legal stuff and what the patient should actually be getting. 
So there's a, there's a big, I can even show you all the news articles and the stuff. There's a man right now in Hugley uh, Memorial Hospital. I believe it's Fort Worth. It's one of those cities right there. Sheriff, six kids fighting for his life in COVID right now. My uh, wife is pissed, reached out, got the court order for ivermectin. Court says, yes, the hospital has to administer it. Hospital says, at first says, okay, we got the court order. We'll do it. Gets a hold of this nurse advocacy company, finds a nurse. Hospital won't administer it. But if you send in your own licensed nurse in Texas, she can come in, administer it, and leave. Same time each day for five days. So all that was like agreed upon, court order, everything, found the nurse, right? So this nurse shows up at the hospital to do it. Guess what? The hospital calls the police. The police and the the hospital security is there to block her, says you can't come in, you can't do this. Well, wait, we have a court order. We can do this. Everything was agreed upon. No. So they blocked her. They banned her. They said, no, the hospitals are fighting back. Like there is not a zero thing in the world that you can show anybody that shows ivermectin is deadly, dangerous, can harm somebody if you take it with COVID. Nothing like that is out there at all. So why not just give it if you got the chance, even if you don't know it'll work? Common sense, just do whatever you got to do if somebody might be dying, right? So they block her, ignore the court order, fight back. Somebody just sent me something today. Next week, I forget the date, but they're doing a huge protest outside the hospital and prayer to fight back to this hospital. Like, why won't you do or honor this court order? And there was another girl um, that I was working with, Gabriel. Same thing with her grandfather at Herman Memorial in Sugarland. Grandfather was in there. And, and I can say all this because she was very public and she, we, we did all this. So I was trying to help her, did a huge protest. They even had a court order for ivermectin for the grandfather. Memorial Herman filed an appeal, fought back, and then he died, and they refused to give it. I think I saw that in the news. Yes, and I was with her because she wanted to protest outside that hospital afterwards because she's pissed. Like, what's so hard about just giving it? You know, it's not a big deal. And then he died, so she wanted to protest. So I helped her organize some people, and we did a protest in front of their hospital. But it's just, it's sick because there's no reason. There's no reason for this to happen. I heard that also, like, the doctors that are for uh, ivermectin, Mm -hmm. they'll write a prescription and then they'll go to the pharmacy and the pharmacy won't fill it. Have you heard stories like that too? All the time. What is up with that? Well, never in history has the pharmacy overruled the physician, right? Yeah. But there's so many big ties right now. The government stepping in, the governments are threatening, all sorts of stuff, right? So they're not wanting people to prescribe and use hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. So I'm sure you've heard people are going to the feed stores, getting ivermectin and all this stuff. That's like the wrong ivermectin though, right? Like what's, there's a difference, right? There's a distinct difference between being described it versus going to tractor supply. Well, see, there's different, you can get it. There's a lot of doctors and pharmacies out there that will do it. So you can get it from your doctor Sometimes it's hard. So people are even going online and ordering it from like Indian stuff. You can go to tractor supply and get the right ones. But the problem is, is you just don't want to go get it and just take a whole bunch of it. Like you want to talk to a physician or somebody that can tell you the right doses to take. But if you can't get it, I mean, you can do that. I mean, you just want to make sure you talk to somebody, you know, a physician or someone to tell you the right one, the right dosage, how much to take. So you're not just like shoving all this stuff into your body. It's a like scary time for us, like average people that are not 
you know, in the thick of the medical community because we're getting, you know, our facts from Fox News or CNN. But, you know, people like Joe Rogan who are, are out there and mm-hmm. and and taking because he took ivermectin, he took, uh, you know, the monoclonal antibody drip yes. and all that stuff and all that. And then he was fine. Yeah. Three days later and he's in his 50s. Yeah. Obviously, he's in, his, he's in shape and stuff like that. But that's. That's who the people that we average people have to rely on. Yeah. And it's astonishing that if he took it, it's one case, right? But it worked. It did. But remember, you can't trust general media and you can't trust the government because they're going to hide, discredit everybody, make every doctor that's speaking out very big and showing you like, look, I'm doing this. We have the research. It's great. Do this. They're literally saying, oh, they're spreading COVID misinformation. They're trying to threaten their licenses. The hospitals are firing these doctors. They're suing them. All this stuff. But we have the proof. We have everything behind it. But we tell everybody, don't trust, like, Facebook censors, Google's horrible, the main media's bad, the the government right now is horrible. What they're trying to do, and now they're pushing it on children 5 to 12, that should be a criminal offense. Nobody needs to vaccinate their children right now. These children literally catch this virus and they're fine it's like nothing to them right there is like a couple out there that have passed away but they they most likely had very severe comorb comorbidities or really bad immune system that happens children and everybody have died of the flu for years now and no one's cared i mean if you look up the amount of thousands and thousands of deaths every year to the flu it's a huge number but nobody cares about that is anything that governor abbott's doing with uh the different lawsuits so there's a lawsuit you know um fighting the osha mandate there's there's an yeah yeah, there's a lawsuit for protecting hospital work or or medical professionals too so there's there's lots of lawsuits there's lots of states involved Mm -hmm. is any of that helping you in your lawsuit it might potentially but this is what's happening and i'll tell everybody this abbott is bought and paid for he sides with big business a lot of his campaign money's coming from hospitals and businesses he doesn't go against him he mm. doesn't he's not siding with um the people of texas all these like god hundreds and thousands if not millions or however many people a big number that are fixing to lose their jobs and get terminated over this mandate he doesn't side with them i called his office i begged him for help back in like april nothing sorry we can't help you we've held huge press conferences we've done so many things abbott sides with big business he is bought and paid for and i can't wait to get him out of office next year who else would well well, what about the article um we just read the other day he said that he was in for the um for the nurses no 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 it's okay let me tell you this is that different so this battle has been going on for a long time now if he actually cared about us he would have stepped up he would have helped back in may or june he would have been helping all summer he would have helped in september and all this he did nothing nothing at all finally he put out that executive order um, that said no mandates in the state of Texas. But when you look at the fine print, it's complete BS because he literally slaps a $1,000 fine. So if you're a big billion dollar company and you mandate, you get like a $1,000 fine. 
I thought there was something in the Texas Tribune, like just in the last three or four days, that said there's a lawsuit for medical. Who's who's leading that one? Well, okay, so our attorney general is stepping up and doing a bunch of lawsuits right now. Yeah, um, that's Ab- uh, Ken Paxton, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So Abbott, let me tell you that how that executive order I think actually happened. So I can show you all the stuff. So me and a couple girls um, that are from the Capitol in Austin got together, organized this huge press conference. We had a bunch of House representatives, senators, all that huge press conference we did basically calling on Abbott to stop the mandates and put it into special session to get a bill passed to to protect the Texans. So we did that. Then the next day or so, his huge Republican party underneath him sent him a letter also stating, stop the mandates. We have to protect Texans. Then the very next weekend is when Southwest Airlines canceled thousands of flights due to weather. (laughs) I know, right? But they were the only ones that had bad weather over their airplanes. No, it was their staff. (laughs) Yes. No, yeah. It was ridiculous. They're so lying. It was their staff stepping up. These pilots and the staff don't want it. Southwest American Airlines, they're stepping up. They're making them cancel thousands of flights. And the main hubs are out of Dallas, right? So all this happened within the same week, all those three big things. Next week, he signs this executive order Mm. because his poll ratings have been going down so much. People have been sick of him not helping, sick of him just talking, right? He'll do an interview and he'll talk all this big stuff, but he won't actually do anything to help us. So people are seeing that his poll ratings went down, then all this pressure got put on him. And he knew re-elections next year, nobody wants him back if we're all fired, right? Right. And he, if he was like a DeSantis or something, then it'd be different. Like no one would be mad at him. So he did that executive order, but then none of the big businesses like stood by it. They, they kept mandating. Then our attorney general with a bunch of other states filed that big lawsuit with OSHA. So the federal court of appeals sided with us and said, no, this is unconstitutional. We're putting a hold on these mandates through OSHA until, you know, find like further evaluation. So then OSHA came out and put a hold on it because of the, the federal court of appeals. Well, now the branded administration are, are basically coming out saying, ignore what the federal courts and what OSHA is saying and go ahead and mandate and vaccinate. Well, then the attorney general too just filed a lawsuit against CMS, which I was actually asked to be on. So I'm on that lawsuit as a plaintiff. So he's also with a bunch of people suing CMS, the centers for Medicare and Medicaid, um, because the administration is basically saying, if you don't mandate this, that we can pull your Medicare and Medicaid funding. So some of these really good hospitals that were not mandating, like um, HCA and MD Anderson, did not mandate at first. They were amazing. Well, then after they got Medicare Medicaid on board, then they had to put out their mandates because hospitals will go under. They can't operate without Medicare Medicaid funding. So then our our attorney general and a bunch of others are suing CMS now. So we're hoping that the Court of Appeals sides with us just like they did with OSHA. And then that might help protect them. But so many of us already got fired. But um, basically, when the executive order um, and some of that came out, my lawyer actually sent a letter to Methodist stating that I would I would expect you to reinstate all their jobs now (laughs) due to all this. But they said no. Are you in? I I think on the Texas Monthly, um, it was asked if everything went back to quote unquote normal 
Would you go back and work for the Texas Methodist or the Houston Methodist? Well, whoever sees this, now they're going to know the truth, so they're not going to want to hire me back. I almost guarantee, unless unless we unless we win that lawsuit and they're forced to reinstate us, they will never hire us back. They are too arrogant. They are too, they will just not back down. But if they offered me my job back, hell yeah, I'd go back. Because I would go back for at least a couple of weeks because I want them all to see me. I want to walk down those hallways. I want to wave to the CEO. I want them to see me because they hate me. Is- and I want to be there, but I don't want to work for them. They're a horrible company. So I would show up, kind of gloat a little bit, then peace <laughs> out. I'm quitting. Bye. Do you, How, go ahead. Do you think that it's really them, or do you think it's top down stuff? Like they're being they're being forced to do it. And it's not re- they're not really not the enemy here. No, I honestly believe Methodist is horrible now. Um, I believe they're being forced, probably bribed. They're being offered lots of money, but. Mark Boom, the main CEO, all the news media he's done, all the big emails he sent out to all the staff, horrible, filled with lies. He even said so many things like we were selfish, that we cared about ourselves over the patients and we weren't good employees. And that's why we weren't getting the shot. Mm. And then, which is like literally insane because we were the ones there. You were working in the very yeah. beginning. You yeah. worked the whole thing. Yeah. We were the ones there. When, when nobody knew. No, exactly. That's the biggest. So that's the biggest thing with yes. this whole thing is when you say things like that and y'all are on the front lines mm-hmm. before anybody knew, like you, you literally thought you were going to die if you get yeah, next to a person. There, you didn't know the protection. You didn't yeah. like, that's the craziest thing. So y'all were really like, nobody knew and they they kept their distance and yeah. stayed at home and did all this stuff. And y'all were there risking your life, you know, cause we didn't know. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how many pissed off people like now people at Methodist are, don't even want to work there. Some are quitting just now because they're so fed up with how they're being treated and how Methodist is. And remember they were a good company. I loved them prior to all this, but we were there. We were there when nobody else was, when we didn't know if we were going to, get our family sick if we were going to die what we were there taking care of people like we were supposed to but mark boom david bernard all these ceos that are doing this to us now and and firing us and they're all big and bad they weren't there for the first several months they did all the big top people did not step foot into these hospitals they could have helped us they could have been in the hallway handing us stuff something they didn't come in what they did was they sent their secretaries around our units with an ipad and they'd be all up on their ipad from home to tell us what a great job we were doing oh, wow. and all this bullshit <laughs> yeah but they they weren't there and they didn't do anything. We Are, were the ones that did it. But now, like it's all you know. Now they're coming out completely different. So we heard a bunch of news stories in the very beginning of ICU beds were filled up. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get um, a hospital bed even if you tried. Was that the case? Was there was not at the very beginning? Remember, at the very beginning, the first few months. They didn't want to admit patients unless they absolutely have to, had to. So we were like at half capacity in our whole hospital in Baytown. Okay. We were getting sent home, put on call. We were getting paid to stay home basically because they didn't need us. Oh, see, I wasn't following Houston, but I was following Austin hospitals. And, and Austin, I imagine Austin and Houston very similar. But they were saying that 
ICU was 100% max capacity, and we were pulling beds from general you know, beds and to fill them up. Some places they were. Now, with us, it wasn't like that at first. But then you have your waves, because then all of a sudden, COVID hit hard. The hospital exploded. It was full. Everything was full. So there were times there where were it was times. full. Okay. Yeah, there were times, but it wasn't the whole time. And y'all, But y'all are in a smaller hospital. It's not really comparable yeah. to Houston, right? Yeah. Baytown's smaller than like the downtown Methodist. But it would come in waves. So then you get this big influx. So for a few weeks, it would be really heavy, full. Then it would go back down. It would die out. Then there'd be another wave like a couple months down the road or whatever. But you also have to watch things because all my friends that are still working in hospitals now tell me all the time. So this is a fact because they're seeing it and they're reporting to me. A lot of this like we're full max capacity. A lot of it isn't true because most of these hospitals have such a nursing shortage right now that they can't fully staff. So say you've got five units, 30 beds in each unit. Well, maybe they can only staff 15 of those beds, so half the units are closed. There might be a whole unit closed because they don't have enough staff to staff it. So then the rest of it's full. So they say they're at full capacity, but it's really because parts of it are shut down and not even used. So they have all these extra empty beds that they could put patients in, but they don't have the staff to Mm. man it. So that's happening a lot right now. And in, in some of the past two, so they they mess with the words a little bit. They'll say they're at full capacity when really they just don't have the staff. I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. So what? Yeah. I mean, what's the future look like for nurses? Are nurses are there people want to even be a nurse anymore, or what are the nurses doing when they get out? Are they going to be like a yeah. private nurse? There's, what are those those folks doing? There's so many things going on right now. It's like so a lot. Some of your nurses are unfortunately the nurses that don't think for themselves. They don't challenge. They just do whatever they're told. So they're perfectly okay with everything and they're still working. But you have so many more nurses now that are like, no, this isn't right, you know. So they're getting fired. They're quitting all sorts of stuff. They're getting into other lines of work or they're they're getting into different forms of nursing, like either private nursing. A lot of them are doing the nurse advocacy now. There's all these hydration, IV clinics and home things like that where you can get with a company and go to people's homes and give them IV infusions with vitamin C and different vitamins and minerals. A lot of nurses are getting into that. Um, some are like literally so disgusted and just like so upset about everything. They're just kind of taking breaks, not even working or mm-hmm. getting into other lines of work. That's terrible too, because that's yeah. a lot of knowledge. Just lot of knowledge. Le- yeah, a lot oh, yeah. knowledge and history and uh, folks that know how to you know help people out that are just leaving the field. Exactly, and remember too, it's not just nurses, because like on the lawsuit, right? I mean, we have nurses, ultrasound techs, transporters, respiratory therapists, physical therapists. I mean, the list goes on. IT people in IT. So all these people are affected, and then the vendors that come in, the contractors, physicians. Cleaning people. Cleaning people, everybody, even Houston Police Department, because they were running security at the hospitals. And a lot of people don't know this, but the physicians got it really bad. And Mark Boom wouldn't talk about this on the news, but the physicians that chose not to take it, or a lot of them turned in exemptions and they got denied, So they lost their privileges to the hospitals, right? So they got kicked out of their hospital. But if their their office was located in the plaza connected to the hospital that the hospital owned, they got kicked out of that too. And they weren't pre-warned about that because some of them are on my lawsuit now. 
So they lost their hospital privileges. Then they were given 30 days to basically clear out their office, get a new one, move, relocate out of the plaza and continue their business elsewhere. Well, these doctors literally are panicking. They're like, you can't clear out a medical practice, find a new building, which is really hard to do, relocate and set up in 30 days. So most of them are forced to send out letters to all their patients saying, you know, due to this, I can no longer, you know, I'm looking for a new office, so I can no longer be your doctor. So unfortunately, you're going to have to seek out another, you know, urologist or another podiatrist, like whatever they happen to be. Yeah. I want to jump back on the ivermectin. Mm-hmm. You said there's studies out there. Where where can we find these studies and 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 you know how many people how efficient are the studies proving that ivermectin does work against covid? There's uh, there are actually a lot of studies out there. You can uh the last one I saw that's really easy to find. You can go to the FLCCC website. It's the Frontline COVID Critical Care Um, I might have said those C's in the wrong order, but it's their website. It's all the good doctors, you know, all kinds of people that are like us that are speaking the truth. And they had a PDF right there that you could download. And I'd have to look at at my phone. I forget where the research article came from, but it's a very accredited. um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a very accredited national that does all the proper research that you can't like discredit what they do is legit and they did uh, major studies on ivermectin and in the article you can actually you see the proof you see the research you see the graphs that ivermectin is very effective for not only early treatment but also preventative okay so that's what i was about to ask you is it like if you get died or if you catch covid and mm-hmm. you're on day six maybe later ivermectin probably doesn't help or is not as efficient it could it could it might not be as efficient it's better to take it early on like in the first couple of days first two to three days is 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 better um and the thing is a lot of people like their symptoms are so mild they don't even realize they have it um it affects everybody sometimes totally different right but if you really think you have it and you catch it quickly you take it the first couple of days you're good Six days or so down the road, it, it still can work. It might not be quite as, as effective, but it can still work. That's the scary thing is that it does affect everybody different because uh, my girlfriend got it for like, I feel like two days. And and John had it for like, was it 10? 11 days. It kicked 11, my ass. bad fever for like 11 days. Ele- yeah. It kicked my ass. And yeah. I'm, I eat good. I'm, I run. I'm in healthy. I take vitamins and all that crap. And, yeah. It kicked my ass for 11 days. But some people, go ahead. But the funny, you know, he had it and he it whooped his ass, but he, he still didn't want to get it, you yeah. know? So I think it, it's always been about two things. It's like, mm-hmm. do what you want to do, have the choice to be able to do the it. Choice, so yes. cho- the choice. You need the choice. So I don't think we're saying here that like we're against it. Mm-hmm. We're just against being forced to do it. Yes. that That's been my big push from the beginning is, you know, but, but the thing is at the same time, it should be a choice. So everybody should be allowed to choose what they put into their own body. Because if you don't want it and it gets injected in and it does something to you, you can't just pull it out. And what sick is everybody's protected Pfizer's protected CDC FDA even Methodist before they forced you to keep your job to take a shot you had to sign a waiver saying if something happened to you you would not hold Methodist responsible oh. that's the scariest yes. thing there, you can't yeah if, if you have adverse effects yes. you just nobody's accountable yeah nobody but, th- but you have held, to 
nobody's Mm. held liable. So if you suddenly have blood clots, paralysis, you die, you can't sue anybody, you're just screwed. So everybody should have the choice. But before they make that choice, they should be properly informed and given given proper informed consent. That's part of what's on our website. Um, And you can go to so many different places. But our website is www.guardiansandmedicalchoice.com. So we present you with a lot of facts, a lot of documents, a lot of good doctors and what they're saying. So the whole it's 100% safe and effective is complete bullshit. We've already proved it doesn't work. You can still catch it. You can still die. You can still get sick and transmit it, right? So that's already been blown out of the water. 100% safe. When in history have you seen anything in the medical world 100% safe? <laughs> it is not possible. Even Tylenol can kill you if you take too much. How many how many things do you see on the TV where they're like, oh, take this drug, you know, but if you have this, 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 and this, or if <laughs> yeah. you're Side effects may include yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Side effects include blah, 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 blah. There's not a drug, a procedure, anything out there in the world that does not have some type of side effect or risk to it. So when they say it's 100% safe, that's a huge red flag right there. And then they're telling you like, well, oh, it can just cause fever, little soreness in your arm. No, go look up at the VAERS website. There, what's sick is this is still under an, an EUA, right? An emergency um, authorized use of this shot right now, right? Is it still? Yes. I thought, um, no, it's I thought not the FDA, FDA approved. Well, nope. But why'd they say that? Okay. Oh, well, we're going to be here for a while. Okay. <laughs> Did you know this? Yeah, I thought FDA approved like one of the shots. Yeah, the like the Pfizer. Let me tell you what happened and I got the proof. So, okay, so we're, I have so many things I wanted to say now. Okay, so under the EUA2, right, which it was and it still is, and I'm going to get to that. If it's under experimental use, don't you think they would have something set aside where physicians, hospitals, nurses, if we see adverse reactions, if we see something happen, we should document it because under emergency use, you would think they'd want that data. So if, oh, all this stuff's happening and it's in direct correlation to the shot, maybe we should pull it because it's kind of dangerous. They're not doing that. They're not actually telling people to document anything. There's nowhere out there where they are telling physicians or hospitals to document this. The only place to go is the VAERS website, which is only if you choose to go there by yourself. But it's such a long, uh, drawn-out thing to get on there and do it. Most people don't want to do it. So you'll see on there, last I looked, there's over 18,000 deaths due to the COVID shot all this hospitalization, paralysis, this, that. But remember, it's only if you feel like getting on there and That's doing That's like it. Wikipedia, though, right? Anyone could do it. So there has to be like some percentage well, that any, anyone, people could be BSing. Right? Anyone can, and there could be some BS. But let me tell you, the ones that are doing it are people like me because – Go on there and try to do it. It takes a long time and it's a pain in the ass. Like people do not want to go on there and do it. So I would bet that most of it is true, but it's so underreported. So whatever you see on there, the numbers are way bigger than that. But some of it, there's no way to detect what's right and what's wrong. But under an investigational emergency use, why would they not set up something to where the hospitals, the doctors, everybody should document? I mean, there are people that literally took the shot and dropped dead immediately. What? You got me second guessing. Like, I don't. I, I, I heard that I, I read an article that it was that's why that's why the mandate started because they were waiting on uh, FDA approval of, and they got approval of one shot. And I don't know why I can't remember it. Okay. Is it the JJ? No, no, no. Okay, you ready for this one? So 
Pfizer pushed for FDA approval. That's Pfizer. Yeah. Yeah. They pushed for FDA approval way fast. So nothing has ever been FDA approved that quickly. It takes years of research, all this stuff, right? Trials, so many things. The trials are going on right now with the American and the world public. That's where the trials are going on. That's how sick it is. And nobody's documenting or taking the proper research because they're just trying to ignore it all. So Pfizer pushed for FDA approval. Let me tell you what happened. So they get out on the news, um, you know, the government, everybody's saying, oh, it's FDA approved now, blah, blah, blah. That should make y'all feel better. Go take it. Well, a lot of us were like, this can't be right. Like, there's no way it's FDA approved. So you jump on the FDA website, you go to this 13-page documentation where it clearly says the Pfizer, Pfizer biotech that's out right now is still under EUA continuation, but the comernity, which they're coming out with, is FDA approved. What's the, what does that mean? Yeah. So let me tell you what I did. So, okay, so basically, I'll, I'll tell you what I did and what she said is so you understand the whole thing. So basically what's going on is the Pfizer biotech that's out right now that people are taking. That is not FDA approved. They're trying to tell you it's FDA approved. They're, they're saying Pfizer's FDA approved. So they're just lumping it to make people think it's approved to go take it. The one that's out in public use right now, the Pfizer biotech, is not. It's still under emergency use authorization, a continuation of it. What's approved is the new one that Pfizer is making, which is called Comernity. Now, Pfizer claims they're interchangeable, but... It can't be the same thing because if it is, then why not just use biotech? So they claim it's interchangeable, but community is not manufactured yet and it's not in public distribution yet. You cannot get it. Mm. So the only one that's FDA approved right now has not even been manufactured. You made me think of something. I read an article where they were saying for people that want to get boosters, if they've got the J&J, they can get the Pfizer like for a booster if they want to. Like you can interchange the shots. Have you read that too? I've seen some different things like that, but let me ask you a question. How the hell did they have that data? In I don't know. But that's a, like, it's, Think fu- about it's it. freaky to me. Like, Just, why would you interchange the why, two? You, you normally wouldn't. And think about this. This is a huge, just logical red flag. None of this has been out long enough to even have the research and the data. So how do they know it's safe? How in the world do they know it's safe? There's no way they possibly the know The trials safe. are going on right now. Everything is going on right now. So when a lot of physicians, me, all these other people saw this 13-page letter, saw what was going on, realized the truth, a lot of people in the public weren't believing us. They're like, no, because the TV and Biden tells me it's FDA approved, right? <laughs> So, we we have uh, every person that we have on uh-huh. when they make fun of a dumb person. Uh-huh. That's the voice we that's always, the douchebag yeah. voice. We always do this. <laughs> the t- well, you the t- can't. It's it's you can't help it. I know. So, I do the same thing. Let me tell you what I did because I got sick of because everything I say. A hundred percent. Everything I say, I can prove. I have the document. I just don't throw stuff out there because I think it sounds good. I have some way to prove it. So I got sick of like nobody listening to this. So I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to download an audio app. So I download an audio recording app. I called Pfizer. I asked to speak to somebody in their medical department. So I have a 20-something minute recording from start to finish so you couldn't discredit any, any of it saying, oh, thank you for calling Pfizer, blah, 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 the whole automated crap. She state she states right on there that the Pfizer biotech that's available in the USA right now is still under an EUA investigational what's, authorization. What's EUA? The emergency use authorization. Oh, and how recent was this? I just did this like a month ago, maybe. Okay. So she, was that 
When did they make the announcement? Was it? Oh, it was longer than that ago. Was it? Okay. Yeah, trying to get ago. the timeline down. Yeah. No, I swear to God. And I can call them right now if you want to, but we'd have to go through 27 <laughs> minutes. They're going to tell you the same thing. So I have the recording. So she clearly says that the Pfizer biotech that's out right now in the United States is still under the emergency use authorization uh, continuation like it was the whole time. And the only one FDA approved is Comirnaty. But she clearly states that it is not manufactured yet. And they have, and I asked her, and I just, I didn't tell her who I was. I just acted like I was some dumb person that didn't know anything, right? And so I asked her, I said, so when are they going to manufacture it then? And I was like, because, you know, I'll feel better if I take the one that's FDA approved. She goes, well, we have no knowledge of that yet. She goes, we do not know when it's going to be manufactured and then when it's going to be ready for public use. But she's like, she had this whole script she kept reading. And she's like, but the two are interchangeable. And I'm like, well, if the two are interchangeable, then you're telling me they're exactly the same thing. So I can just go take the biotech now. And it's like FDA approved, right? And she's like, well, no. And I'm like, well, if they're interchangeable, then they are the same thing or they're not. And she wouldn't answer my questions. She just went through the script. And then, so I, so I asked her, I said, okay, so since Comirnaty is the only one that's FDA approved, but it's not even manufactured yet, so is there anything out there right now I can go take that's FDA approved? And she said, no. She said, there's not a current COVID vaccine in the United States that's FDA approved that you can go get right now. Mm. Why, why haven't this surfaced yet? You, okay, you go to any of the mainstream media on TV. It's hard to find stuff. They are all run... You can look this up. I want to say it's seven families, but there is only a small amount of families that run all the major Uh Oh, we're we're getting into some deep stuff now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's deep, but it's true facts. You can look it up. So they run everything. So they control all the media. Ivory Heckers, great one, right? She came out live air, went to uh, Project Veritas. She had the proof to back it up. She wanted to do the right journalism on these adverse reactions and other things they saw, but Fox told her no. They flat out told her, you know, you, it's not about the truth. It's not about what the, she has the footage. You can look it up on Project Veritas. The CEO, all the people at Fox told her, it's not about what the public needs to know. It's about what we want them to know. It's not about you, you doing, you know, the truth and the facts. It's about what's going to, it's what's going to make our CEOs and all that happy. Yeah. It's, it's not about, so when she did that, of course she ruined her career, lost her job, but she got into independent journalism. So she goes around through everywhere doing the truthful independent journalism and puts it out there and and actually does the reporting on the things that the real news won't do. And she has credit now because she went against and probably, probably yes. a good paying job. And she said yeah. she's actually doing better now than she was before. No way. That's good. Yes. There's a, there's a lot um, of reporters that have left, like the Sagar and, and Megan. They have a podcast together. Uh-huh. I think it's Megan, but... Um, I don't know them. There's, yeah, they, I think it's called. What's it called? I've told you the name. Breaking points. There okay, yeah. okay. It's a good podcast. They're yeah. they've left. I think one. I think uh, I think her name is Shelly or Megan, but she left CNN. I think uh-huh. she was on CNN or MSNBC, and then the other guy is a conservative. So it's like, oh, I gotta, two, I gotta get with them. It's a good one, yeah, because okay. it's like two viewpoints from you know different sides. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. There's another one too up in Michigan named April who was with um, CBS, I think, mm. and she did the same thing. She whistleblowed and left because, and it was strictly because she was noticing how many people were getting adverse reactions to the shot, and no one was talking about it. And she did her own research, and uh. then she came out and she left. So it's spreading like crazy. 
So it's more the podcast like you there are so many podcasts coming out now yeah, yeah. because people are getting sick of the censorship. So stuff like that and and more of like I don't want to say your underground media but not your big like oh I'm on TV, right? So like the High Wire, Stu Peters, yep. um Rogan, even Infowars, but some people find him controversial, but he does great <laughs> stuff. Um all these things will actually tell you the truth. Yeah. And they have everything to back it up, but your main media is controlled and told what to say so they won't do it. I wonder like what the future holds for the media, like if they ever bounce back. Like they're they're losing so much yeah. the viewership. I mean the numbers are off. If you look at the numbers, there's like hundreds of thousands versus millions of people that yeah. are actually viewing. And then you look at uh independent podcasts like The Breaking Point or Rogan, there's tens of millions of people viewing in yes. to those podcasts. Versus a hundred thousand viewing, you know, Sean Hannity or whatever his mm-hmm. numbers are. I mean, that's a reputable guy, but his numbers don't rank anywhere compared to Rogan or some of these yeah. other podcasts. I think they're losing trust. Yeah. Oh yeah, the American people are sick of getting lied to. They're sick of dealing. They don't want to be controlled. They don't want to be told what to do. They want the truth, and they're they're doing their own research and their understanding now. So, and right now the tides have kind of shifted and changed because a lot of stuff's coming in our favor and a lot of the truth is coming out and there's so many hundreds of thousands that are seeing what's going on now. And a big thing that helped was when they first came out and said, get your two shots and you'll be fine. You don't have to wear a mask. You won't catch COVID. Everything will be great. And everyone's like, yay. Well, then they take the two shots and then it turns out, oh, wait, still keep your mask on. Oh, wait, you can still catch COVID. Oh, wait, everything we said we were wrong. But now I want you to take this booster that we just created that we don't know anything about. And then a few months down the road, we want you to take another booster. So a lot of people who took those first two shots because of that being lied to, now they're like, whoa, wait, like (laughs) you were already wrong the first time. Now you want us to do that? Like, no. A lot of people are like, no, and they're putting their heels in, the, you know, in the ground because they're they're seeing that a lot of it's not making any sense now, and there's all these red flags. So it's it's a big battle, and it's it's slow right now, but things are starting to kind of go in our favor. And I think down the road, this is going to be a major, monumental, historic event. This is going to change the face of medical in the United States. This is going to change the face of the news media, of the government. So many things are going on right now. And these aren't conspiracy theories. I'm not crazy because we have the proof to back all this up. Everything we've known is going to change down the road because this is this is just too big. Yeah, I, I kind of want to know just briefly like, the day you got fired, what'd that look like? Yeah. <laughs> what, what did it, what happened? Like, what was it like? That was funny, actually. Um, okay, so quick, quick thing before, um, before I tell you that. Okay, so the one thing I didn't tell you, this one, this one was awesome. So remember that whole meeting with the CEO? Said all this bad stuff. They were horrible. He even got, um, I had reached out to Mark Boom's secretary to try to get a meeting with him. And he wouldn't meet with me. So at the end of this whole thing, my CEO, David Bernard, kind of leans back all cocky, right? And he, and remember, I didn't do anything yet. This is only the beginning. And he looks at me and he's like, so what makes you think you can take this on all by yourself? (laughs) And I looked at him and I was like, well, because I'm speaking on behalf of thousands of employees, y'all are supposed to care about. And I asked him, I said, 
So what do you think would happen if I started reaching out to the public, if I started reaching out to the other Methodist hospitals and see what they think? And he's like, I strongly advise you against that. So like threatening me and I'm like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm already prepared to get fired. I said, you can't do nothing else to me. I said, and I tell people, once you accept the fact that you can be fired, you're dangerous because there's nothing else they can do to you. So now you can do whatever you want pretty much, you know, within legal limits and they can't scare you. It's all scaring and bullying tactics. So at the end of the meeting, he looks at me and he goes, okay, can we tell Mark Boom this matter settled? And that, you know, we absolutely not. This was nothing but you just trying to bully me and threaten me. I said, you need to tell him I want a meeting with him on behalf of all these people that are too scared to say anything. So I know Mark Boom got it because they sent it to him. HR called me. They sent it to him. Guy still won't talk to me to this day. Instead, the very, very next morning after this meeting, so I think it was a direct correlation, he sent out this massive system-wide email stating our deadline's June 7th. You take the shot or two-week unpaid suspension leading into termination. The very next morning after our meeting, after I said, I'm talking to Mark Boom. So it, it was too coincidental to me. So the next day, everybody's just panicking, anxiety, crying. It was horrible. So I'm pissed and I'm at work, right? And I'm like, this is not right. So the next day I'm off. And that was your other question, how it blew up so big. So I'm sitting there on my front porch and I'm pissed and I'm like, what can I do? So I start Googling all the local news media. I got two of them and I can't remember which two. I think it was ABC and KHOU, I think, to meet with me that same day. And I told him I was still scared at the time. I'm like, just keep my identity confidential, like, so they don't know who I am yet. And they did a horrible job. (laughs) (laughs) It was just your face. Like, your whole body was, like, blurred out, but your face was Social security. Well, like, one blurred my face, but used my voice. The Mm. other one did something stupid, like, just had it on my hands, but you could still hear my voice. Uh, And they called me, and we, we decided to use the name Jane Doe. So after it aired, everybody's texting me, "What's up, Jane Doe?" Like, oh shit! Oh wow! <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. Well, you have a just you have a pretty unique voice, so yeah. it, it's it'd be easy to tell it to you. Well, and and that's what was funny. So after that, I was like, "Screw it!" Like I'm not going to try to hide. So then I I went to change.org, started an online petition, which grew so fast. We've got I think over eleven or twelve thousand people signed it now. Um, then once, since we were the first ones, remember, so I was like the first one to speak out against the mandate, all the media went nuts. Then they all started contacting me, calling me like it went insane. We, I was on CNN a few times, which was funny. Um, Hannity, I had literally, I had the BBC sitting in my backyard. (laughs) I had reporters from Japan in my dining room. What? Like, yes. I, I, it, it, who did you talk to on CNN? Oh, I was with, what's her name? Something Brown. Jackie, Jamie, wait, the blonde, something Brown. I don't remember her. Um, I was live with her twice. She's got blonde hair. It's something Brown, Jackie or Jane or something. How did they treat you? Yeah. Oh, she was a, can I say the <laughs> no. word? No. Okay. She was the big B word. So I was on with her twice live. They had me live, right? They brought on people before and after me. They tried to discredit me. Um, I was telling her, I was trying to tell her what I saw, you know, the adverse reactions, all the stuff as I'm talking her, she literally cuts me off, tries to discredit me and tell me, oh, well, we can't prove any of this. 
And I'm like, excuse me, like, I see this with my own eyes. Like, what? you're just a reporter. How do you know, like, what's going on? So she shut me up, tried to make me, like, stop talking. Well, then I just came back and I said it all anyways, and it was live air. So she couldn't cut it out. So her jaw just kind of dropped, and then... You could tell they were not happy, and they they actually had me on live twice, which is funny. I'm surprised they had you on live after. Uh, yeah, that is kind of so. Yeah. After you did that, they had you again. Yes. Okay. Well, that first time I was smart enough to know how CNN works, so <laughs> I was recording the whole thing live. So afterwards, everybody's like, "Great job!" You know, da 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 da. Well, then everybody's like, well, where's the link? I want to see it. CNN wouldn't post the link. They got rid of it. They would not. Both of them. No, the first one where oh, I made her man. jaw drop and I just kept saying everything. So they wouldn't post the link. Everyone's like, well, I can't find it. We realized that they didn't want anyone to see it after I was live. But I recorded it, right? So then I took my phone, played it on my TV and recorded the whole thing and blasted it all over social media. <laughs> oh, wow. That was yes. Is that still move. up? Is that still up? I'm probably. I don't, That was like back in june or something maybe so it might be but i i have the recording but um and then so she was horrible and then another woman blonde with glasses had me and like three or four other people on at the same time you can look it up it went viral on tiktok like somebody said something you see me in the screen like yeah you know (laughs) and um that woman was really cool she actually let us talk and wasn't trying to shut us up the three people the other two people that you were with were they again or the same beliefs as you yes um and i can't remember that woman's name she's glasses blonde hair but she was awesome i loved her the other one's horrible well that's good you had at least one good experience there just the one but um it was like me a dj another woman and i think there was like four or five of us total and it was people throughout the whole country that didn't want to take the shot for different reasons so she had us on to just give us all our views and talk about it. And she let us just talk. So it, it that one was actually pretty cool. And that oh. one went out and it was it's they, still up? Yeah, they, okay. let, they let that one out because I, I'm really old school, right? So I'm not on TikTok. I'm not even on Instagram. Like I don't, I'm very basic. So my husband's like, oh my God, look. And on TikTok, it was viral. <laughs> like people went crazy with it. And you see me down there like, yeah, you know, and going crazy. And people were just spreading it like nuts. They loved that one. Um, but yeah, it was it was insane. I was literally doing two to five interviews like that almost every day for like a month. Wow. How yeah. did how did this reflect your husband at work and like were you was it positive or negative, like how he's well, being treated? He's oh how he's being treated. Well, he's great. He's former army, completely on on side with me. So, but it was, it's very overwhelming because there were times when he'd come home or he'd be in the house and there'd be like a whole news crew in my kitchen from CBS (laughs) or whatever, right? And it got not just national, but international. Like, because remember Japan was over and then we ended up being in Netherlands newspaper, in Germany, all this other stuff, right? So it was a little for, he was, he's always been so proud of me, but it's, it's a lot for the people that are actually doing it, but everything's good. But the job he had before he got a lot of slack because a lot of people didn't agree with it. So he got a lot of slack about it. So kind of had to, but the job that he switched to now he's working on oil rigs. So, um, it's very like it's a little yeah. remote now. <laughs> yeah. now he's doing he works a lot on oil rigs and it's very like-minded people 
so it was cute when he when he started working with this company they a lot of them knew who I was and they're like are you related to that girl Jennifer Bridges and she's he's like that's my wife <laughs> and they were all on board they're like really that's awesome we've been following and then it was cute I get uh I get all these messages all the time so I get a message through messenger with this woman and he's like she's like hey I've been following your journey that's awesome I just found out my husband works with your husband <laughs> <laughs> can we be friends yeah I love you yeah yeah, it's it's so it's it's been amazing. Like I get I've gotten so many hundreds to thousands of messages like in so many avenues. It's it's really hard to keep up. But like 95% of them are very positive and supportive. And you get this small little like kindergarten side like kindergarten mentality that are against you. But there, it's never anything legitimate. They'll they'll say things like, "Oh, you're dumber than a box of rocks." Like, go play with your crayons and good lord, yeah. Like, I'll get all this. Like, I'll get. It's very small, but like this bad stuff. But it's usually very hateful, very mean. So it's just kind of funny. It's like whatever. Can you talk about real quick as we get close to wrapping this up? Can you uh-huh. talk about the um, immunity that you get? Versus with the vaccine versus if you catch COVID and compare the two real quick. Do you have any data on that? Yes. Yes. And I have, and I just realized I didn't answer your other question. Um, I have, I'm going to say that in just a second, but um, you were asking me about the day I got fired too. Mm, Mm. Okay. So that whole thing. So then June 7th was our deadline. So I organized a huge protest outside of my hospital on June 7th because it was our last shift. Mm. So June 7th was our last day. News media was contacting me while I'm at work. So in between patients, I literally would run into the supply room and do a lie, like a Zoom with them real quick to go on the news from the supply room. So what? then, I swear to God, it, 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 I can't make this up. So then I organized this big thing. So then it's the end of my shift, right? Very, very emotional because I'm not taking it, but we're getting put on a two-week unpaid suspension. It's the whole Methodist system. So June 7th, end of my shift, and I, I had, we had designed, because we had already been doing protests, so we have these white Houston Methodists, like my job or my jab, you know, this whole thing, right? So I brought the shirt with me, end of my shift, everyone's hugging me, crying, I'm crying, my director asked me to go to her office before I leave to sign some papers or whatever. So, and remember, we're in the hospital, so you have to wear a mask at all times, you can't take it off, it's like a holy sin, so it's the end of my shift. I clock out. I rip my mask off, take my scrub shirt off, put on my protest shirt, walked to my director's office without my mask on, wearing my protest shirt. I'm bawling because I'm, I'm pissed. I'm sad. I'm upset. You know, this isn't right. I'm like, I'm not signing any of your effing forms. Just give them to me. I'll take them with you. I walk outside. Do you all know who Derek Braz is? Mm-mm. Follow him. He's awesome. He does podcasting. He's amazing. You'll love him. He's in the Houston area. Derek Braz met me outside the door filming me the whole way. I go out outside the hospital. There is hundreds of people waving American flags, signs. There's this whole press conference, news media standing there. It was huge. Um, We stayed out there for hours protesting on our last day after my shift. A bunch of Houston Methodist employees met me there. I had an American frontline doctor come meet us there. It it was amazing. The big people at Methodist were standing on the roof watching us. And the whole day it was so funny because they were sending out emails to staff. Like, if we see you outside, you could be suspended if you're a part of the protest. So people were scared. The whole time, the amount of bullying 
and threatening that they did was just horrible how they talked to people. So then anyway, so that happens. I get put on a two-week um, unpaid suspension. Why well, had companies reach out to me through Messenger, like who sided with me, and they're like, well, come work for us. So I started um, training like a couple days before I got fired while I was still suspended with this private nursing company. So June 22nd was our termination deadline. So in the morning, like 7-11 or something, I went for my first day of training with the private nursing company. And I got a message from this um, from this reporter from France who asked to meet with me. So I was like, all right, I get off this shift at 11. I'll come meet with you in Houston, blah, blah, blah. So I get with this guy. He's interviewing me, all this stuff, and filming me, recording me. Um, and he's a reporter from France. So my phone's ringing. I look down, and it says Houston Methodist. Uh-oh. And I was like, I got to take this. And I'm like, what? You know, I didn't know what it could be. And he's like, ooh, so he's recording the whole time because he thinks it's like, ooh, what what are they going to say? It was my director saying, okay, you know, this is a deadline. I have to ask, have you taken your shot? Because if so, you can come back to work. And I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, all right, well, you are officially terminated. We will be mailing you and emailing you all your termination paperwork. You know, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, that's cool. I just started my new job. Like, (laughs) so he got this France reporter got it all on video with me officially being terminated. Oh, wow. So it was it was actually really funny. Like, I'm trying not to laugh because I'm with him and he's recording me as I'm talking to her getting fired. So it was it, it was it was so interesting. But natural immunity is amazing. If you have had covid First, they tried to say it was like a three-month thing. Not true. Now the research is coming out that they're actually thinking it's going to be a lifelong thing now. Kind of like you catch the chicken pox and then you're done. Remember how old, I don't know how old y'all are, but parents, when a kid had a chicken pox, they used to send their kids over there to catch it. No chicken pox parties or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that way they catch it and be done, and then you don't catch it again. They're, the research is coming out now where they have a strong, a strong, um, like research, basically they've done the research, very, very strong feeling that this could actually, the natural immunity could last the rest of your life. Definitely not three months. I had COVID a year and like several months ago. I still have lots of antibodies. You, you test? Yeah. I'll test periodically just in case someone asks me or just to, just so I can have the data to prove to people like, look, I still got antibodies. I'm good. What is your number? I know there's an, like a, a range of numbers, right? Oh, I can't remember that. Okay. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I My brain's literally full of <laughs> so much, like all the very minute, detailed things like that. I can't remember all the numbers. But uh, my antibody level was still very strong. It was still very high. What's, what basically is going on now is if you have COVID and you have natural immunity, you are good. You most likely, they actually do not have a documented case now of somebody who's had COVID catching COVID and transmitting it to someone again. They can't produce it. They've been asked during a lawsuit and they can't produce it. So if you've had COVID, your natural immunity is so strong that you're good, that you do not have to worry about it. You are not a threat to anybody. What what about people? I've heard about people catching COVID twice, though. That is not always typical because, remember, there's so many false positives. So there's people I know that claim they've had it. They've had the symptoms tested again. They don't have any symptoms, but they test positive. Well, they might not have actually had it. Okay. So it's very it's very rare that, 
like I don't I haven't particularly seen a case where someone's caught COVID two separate times because sometimes after you have COVID there's still part of the virus that's in your body so even though it's gone you're done you're over it you can get checked and it can still show you have some of it in you but I've never seen anywhere now where there's been someone where it's two complete separate times that they've had COVID where they've had symptoms both times. Okay. Like it, that's just not happening. And everybody who's caught COVID I'm, I'm around so many people now, like people are not catching it again. We have very high immunity in our system, which is natural immunity. So your body's had the virus. It produces the antibody. So, you know, if the virus is, is entered back in your body, it fights it off and, and you're good. Like you're now, if you, if you, and it's funny because the CDC and FDA has actually recently changed their definition of uh, natural immunity and herd immunity. Mm-hmm. Not natural. They changed their definition of herd immunity. So herd, herd immunity was always a thing where if everybody catches a virus or all this stuff, if everybody has antibodies. A certain percentage did. A certain percentage. It's kind of herd immunity, so it's good. But they changed their definition, and now their definition says only if the majority of the population is vaccinated. But that's not herd immunity can be if you're vaccinated or if you have the natural immunity. But people who are getting vaccinated, the antibodies are only lasting in their system a couple of months and then they're dwindling down and they're gone. That's not a vaccine. A vaccine does not only protect you for a couple month window. That's why you keep having to take all these boosters and stuff because they don't know now. Like the cards here are only showing four spots. But people have sent me cards from Europe that are showing eight spots. So they're going to want to keep shoving stuff in you for God knows how long. But a bunch of my friends that went and took the shot against their will um, and they had the COVID vaccine, they go get their antibodies checked. And guess how many they have? They have zero. Wow. They have no antibodies. I go get them checked and my numbers are very high. So it's proven throughout all the research, natural immunity is so much better and effective and healthier than taking this that is not working and not actually providing you any immunity except for maybe a couple months at the most. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, let's talk a real quick about uh-huh. you have a um, an event going on this uh, week. Yeah. Um, so where is that at and who's all going to be there? Oh, my gosh. It's turned out to be huge. Um, this Sunday in two, three days, wait, today's Friday, in two yeah. days, November 21st from 12 to 6, we're having a huge Texas country music concert. The whole thing was put together as a benefit to help us raise money for our lawsuit because it's so expensive. And we're battling like a billion dollar company, so their funds are like unlimited. Um, It's in New Caney at the Bull Salas Fairgrounds. We rented the big show barn there. So, oh my gosh, we have so many great performers. We have Philip Griffin, um, we have, um, oh, I can't remember his last name. I'm so sorry, oh, Gary. Dear. We have Philip Griffin, Gary, Heather Raylene, Susan Hickman are performing. And then we have Chad Prather, who's running for governor next year. He's performing uh, with Steve Helms. And then we have lots of vendors and booths coming out. We have a big silent and live auction. We have a, a barbecue cook-off team and a taco truck coming out, a full bar set up. Um, we have a kid zone with inflatable moonwalks and like a Build-A-Bear station. So it's it's going to be amazing. And then um, we have speakers that we added now. 
So I sent you the flyer that you can throw out there. But now we have, um, so Christian Collins, who's with the Texas Youth Summit, and he's also running for Congress. He's going to come out and speak. Also, Aaron Sorrells, who's a great guy, and he's running next year for Texas Lieutenant Governor. He's coming out and speaking also. Um, Lily Kate, who's with Turning Point USA, she's speaking, and she's going to actually emcee the entire event. So that'll be fun. And then um, Ivory Hecker, who's our very own Houston Fox News whistleblower, she's speaking, but she's also a musician, so she's going to get up. Yes. I told you that. She's actually getting up on stage and performing a few songs um, and speaking to the crowd, too. That's awesome. Yes. And then I found out, too, yesterday, I just found out yesterday, I think um, State House Representative Steve uh, Toth and his family's coming out now, too. Very nice. Sounds like it's going to be a good one. I think so. I'm excited. It's um, It's been a lot of work, but this is so many people getting together for just such a great cause. And we're just going to have a lot of fun and hopefully raise a bunch of money. That's good. Yeah. So um, beyond the event, how can people uh, donate to your cause? And uh, do you have a website or social media and all that good stuff? Yes. Um, and like I said, I'm kind of old school, so I'm on so I'm on a lot of platforms, but I don't keep up with them because <laughs> it's like sitting there. I'm not the person to sit in front of a like I'm I'm very outdoorsy, so I don't like to sit on my phone too much. But um, Facebook and Telegram are the ones that I do the most posting with. Um, eventually, I'll get to the rest of them. But we have um, we had a GoFundMe that raised one hundred eighty thousand dollars, right? And we got all the money, thank goodness. But then they shut us down about a few weeks ago because they said COVID misinformation. Sent him a big old email asking, like, where is this misinformation? And they never got back to me. So we started with Give, Send, Go, which is newer, but a lot of people recommended it. It's a very Christian-based organization. So I started with Give, Send, Go to replace the GoFundMe. Oh, my gosh. I was with them one week. I had a woman from the company call me asking me if she could pray with me on behalf of our lawsuit and what we were going through. So they are amazing. And then NTD News, which is a big, you know, news organization, they called me, did a big thing on it. They tried contacting GoFundMe, couldn't get a response. Then they got a hold of the founder of Gifts and Go, and he's on their on their news media for this interview saying, like, we don't discriminate, we don't censor, as long as you're not trying to harm somebody, we're not going to stop you. We're Christian-based. So I tell everybody... If you're needing help with anything, go to Gifts and Go, boycott GoFundMe. They are evil and they will censor you and they don't care about the truth. It's just all that agenda. Um, but we have a website called uh, www.guardiansofmedicalchoice.com. So you can go to our website that we started back in June. Um, we started it because all these people throughout the world were like, well, how can we follow your lawsuit and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, so that's kind of where it started. But our Give, Send, Go is linked to it. So you can find it there very easily. We sell T-shirts that we mail out to people across the world and the country. Um, we post a lot of truthful information, facts, articles, doctors, scientists, all kinds of things that you can go to and see in case you're having trouble finding like all the censored stuff. 
And we have a lot of personal testimonies, too, of people that have had severe adverse reactions after getting the shot without knowing it. Um, we post when we do all our different events and then we have a newsletter you can sign up to. Um, so we'll periodically share a bunch of stuff with people. Um, so it's really great. And we have a lot of people trying to help us with it all. Um, cause it's just me and a couple volunteers. So we don't have like a big office corporation, you know, so you got to bear with us, but we're, we're busting our butt and we're getting out there. That's great. Well, yeah. Mike and I greatly appreciate you driving out here. Um, and we are honored to talk to you. So thank thank you. you. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. All right. Bye. Bye.